Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Let's get this show started. Welcome, everybody, to the Sports Feed with Richard Holdridge. I am so happy to be here. Just a reminder, you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key, out of Newton, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. How is everybody doing on this Wednesday morning? I am excited about this show. This is episode 446, and on the show today, I have the Lynette head football coach and athletic director, Coach Clifford Story. He is going to talk about the Lynette Panthers, as it is rivalry week. They will take on Valley at Dan Washburn Stadium this Friday night. It should be a fun contest. He will be on the show in just a few. But first, we have got some sports stories that we want to talk about, including Kevin Durant staying with the Brooklyn Nets. The Atlanta Braves, they're making their run. They're now two back from the New York Mets as Max Freed, a Cy Young candidate, gets the win for the Braves over the Pittsburgh Pirates. All right, let's start this morning because this broke actually when I had Brad on the show yesterday. Kevin Durant is staying in Brooklyn. We were getting ready to get on the show and talk about Kevin Durant possibly going to the Memphis Grizzlies. And then I'm scrolling on my phone, and I'm like, Kevin Durant staying with Brooklyn. And this is the logical choice. A contender is not going to gut their roster to get a player who was unhappy in Golden State. He's got to make it work in Brooklyn. You got a new big three this season with Ben Simmons, a healthy Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, with the mask mandate, the vaccination policy, he should be available for all the games this season. So no more excuses. You got the two best closers in basketball. They have got to make it work. Steve Nash, as the head coach, he's got to make it work in Brooklyn. This is a very talented team that cannot make any more excuses But Kevin Durant held this league hostage for two months. And now the Brooklyn Nets have an 11-1 to odds to win the NBA title. And we really didn't know what was going to happen. But this NBA season is going to be fascinating. It kicks off October 18th. It just keeps on getting here earlier and earlier every year. And the Brooklyn Nets will be hosting the New Orleans Pelicans on October the 19th. I got to talk about this Christmas lineup because I'm a little upset that the Atlanta Hawks were left off the lineup for Christmas. First of all, it's going to be a very busy Christmas day. You got a lot of football games in the NFL, and you have a very interesting slate of games for Christmas. The Brooklyn Nets are not on the roster for 
a Christmas game. And probably when they were making the schedule, they didn't think that Kevin Durant was going to be on the team. But you do have the Grizzlies and the Warriors. That is going to be a very fun game. The Lakers and the Mavericks. The Lakers, say what you want, they're going to be fascinating this year. I just started watching the new Lakers documentary on Hulu. And as much as I hated the Lakers as a Warriors and a Kings fan, you got to respect the brand. You got to respect the players. It got me thinking about Kobe Bryant. Yesterday was his birthday. Today is August 24th. People call it Kobe Bryant Day because he wore number eight, number 24. I love Kobe Bryant as a player. He was a competitor. I loved rooting against him because he played my teams very tough. But he was just such a competitor. And later in life, after basketball, he was just a great human being. And, you know, he's now in the news because of the whole lawsuit thing. But I, it's really a time just to reflect on Kobe Bryant and what he meant to this league. To this day, the most shocking sports story I have ever heard. It completely shocked me. I was in the car driving with my wife and kids. And it's it's one of those where time freezes and your body is numb because you don't want to believe it. And it was completely the most shocking story you know, I was listening to sports talk radio in Atlanta. I completely froze. I was on the interstate and I'm like, no, that cannot be possible. But today is Kobe Bryant day. Yesterday was his birthday. He would have been 44 years old. And uh, watching this Lakers documentary, I know they're going to talk about, I haven't finished the Lakers documentary yet. I just saw the first episode, but I know they're going to talk about the legacy of Kobe, Shaq, LeBron. The Lakers just have this incredible wealth of players that have been some of the greats in the NBA, but kind of dysfunctional after Dr. Buss passed away and gave the ownership to his kids. And now Jeannie Buss is the owner and, you know, they got an agent for a GM. It's going to be fascinating to see the Lakers this season. I I admit, I, I can't look away. It's going to be awesome. The Atlanta Braves, well... They get another win, and now they are two games back from the New York Mets. A 6-1 to victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates. What to do with Vaughn Grissom when Ozzie Albies comes back? You already heard it from me. They need to cut Marcelo Zuna. They need to let Vaughn Grissom be in the outfield. Vaughn Grissom is starting to become a regular, and it tells you that the Braves are doing it right by getting these players that come up from the farm system like they did a couple of years ago. And now the Braves are making the run. I really think when it gets time to go into the postseason, you'll want to try to avoid the Mets because you don't want to have to face Scherzer and DeGrom game one and game two. But I like their chances against the Dodgers. Unfortunately, Walker Bueller for the Dodgers, he's not going to pitch for two years because he's having his Tommy John surgery. Clayton Kershaw is getting up there in age. He hasn't always been the greatest postseason pitcher. Who do the Dodgers have that could throw out there? I know they have this great lineup, but when we get to the postseason, pitching always beats a great lineup. I would put Max Freed against anybody. And then the number two starter, Justin Dale said it best last week on the show. Possibly Kyle Wright. 15-5 and record. Spencer Strider. I mean, you got some players that can go toe-to-toe with any of these teams in the postseason. I expect the Atlanta Braves to catch the New York Mets. They're now two back, get the number two seed, and have to face the Dodgers in the NLCS one more time. And let's go.
Let's see what they could do against the Dodgers as the Braves actually are getting hot at the right time. They do have a tough series against the St. Louis Cardinals in St. Louis, a four-game series after the series with the Pirates. And Albert Pujols, I love history. I'm a baseball historian. Albert Pujols with 693 home runs. I want to see him get 700. I know he says this is his last season, but I want to see him get 700 home runs. And I love the fact that Aaron Judge has 48 home runs for the New York Yankees. I know the record is 73, set by Barry Bonds in 2001. But this is the Yankees we're talking about. We're talking about a franchise that just retired Paul O'Neill's number, war number 21. Aaron Judge is going after 61, the home run record set by Roger Maris. The New York Yankees home run record is a little bit more hallowed. Of course, we're past the steroid era, and still the record is 73, but let's not get into steroids. But Aaron Judge going after 61, I want to see him do it. As the baseball season winds down, we have the football season starting to rev itself up. And this is where I start getting more guests. I want to bring back my regular guests because I know they want to talk about football. I would love to get Ben and Travis back on the show. I would love to get some of the other people that I've gotten on the show over the past couple of months. But you got week two in high school football this weekend. It's rivalry week. You got the Heritage Bowl, Carver and Spencer. You got Valley and Lynette. You got Smith Station and Central. And I'm calling the Russell County-Harris County game. And it really means a lot to me because I do live on the border of Muskogee and Harris County. And so you have two similar programs that are on the outskirts of the Columbus-Phoenix City city limits. And they really love their high school football. So when I get Coach Story on, we're going to talk about that. It's going to be a great show. You don't want to miss it. This is week zero in college football. You got Northwestern taking on Nebraska in Ireland. Some local teams, Mercer taking on Moorhead State, and you got Point University that's traveling up to Cumberland University. And, of course, their first home game is September the 3rd. I know we're a couple weeks away from the first week of the NFL season, but I cannot wait. Some of these games, I'll be in front of the TV because it's going to be must-see TV. That Monday night game, where Russell Wilson goes back to the 12th man in Seattle. What ovation is he going to get? A hope, hopefully, hopefully they give him a standing ovation. He got him a Super Bowl. He pretty much made the Seahawks relevant for a decade. If Russell Wilson was not on the Seahawks, I think the Seahawks would be a disaster of a team. I mean, they, they have an old school, defensive-minded head coach, Look, much respect to Pete Carroll. He won a Super Bowl. He won a national title. He is a legendary Hall of Fame head coach. But his offense is so outdated. His just mindset of being conservative is outdated, and it ran Russell Wilson out of town. And now the Seahawks could be one of the worst teams in the NFL with their quarterback competition of Geno Smith and Drew Locke. I think that Russell Wilson actually goes into Seattle and gets the victory. You also have Baker Mayfield. He's been named the starter in Carolina. This game doesn't mean as much as the Seattle-Denver game because it's in Carolina, but imagine if Baker Mayfield went back to Cleveland. That would just be huge. And then you got matchups like the 49ers and the Bears. 
I'm actually going to take time, uh, one, one of these shows next week, because I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan. I do have an audience in California that does listen to me because they know that I'm a very hardcore San Francisco 49ers fan that will talk 49ers on this podcast. And sometimes I would center this podcast to that audience, even though this podcast is out of Georgia, but they're taking on the Bears. You got Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. I like the matchup. I think that the 49ers actually start hot out the gate because they don't have to take on dominant defenses. The Bears are not the same defensive team they once were. Khalil Mack is gone. We don't know if Roquan Smith is going to be in the starting lineup, but it's going to be an easy road victory for the 49ers to get. And then they take on the Seahawks. Now, I know that that's their big hated rivalry, but you know they don't have to face Russell Wilson in Seattle. And that game is going to be in San Francisco. And then week three, and this is where I think that the 49ers get their first loss. They have to face Denver in the Mile High City on a Sunday night, and they have to face Russell Wilson, who in the past decade has owned the 49ers. I mean, he has. I'm, I'm admitting that. I'm so glad to not see Russell Wilson in this division anymore. And the San Francisco 49ers are going to compete with the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC West. I feel the 49ers are a playoff team, even with Trey Lance. They didn't really ask Jimmy Garoppolo to do much last year. Trey Lance gives the 49ers a little bit more of a threat on the ground, but he's not accurate with the football like Jimmy Garoppolo was. So I'm interested to see what happens in the city by the bay. All right, with that being said, it is time to bring Coach Story here on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about the Lynette Panthers and their upcoming game against the Valley Rams. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. I'll be back with Coach Story. Welcome back to the show. I am excited about my next guest. He is the head high school football coach at Lynette High School and the athletic director. He is the two-time state champion for 2A, won state titles in 2017 and 2019. It's rivalry week. Dan Washburn Stadium is going to be jam-packed. You got Valley and Lynette. I got head coach Clifford Story Jr. here on the show. Coach Story, welcome to the show. I'm glad to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you uh, for this opportunity this morning, and I think we're going to have some fun. Coach, it's rivalry week. This is my favorite weekend of high school football because we we don't have college or NFL just quite yet, but it's also rivalry week. I live in Columbus. I know down in Columbus we have the Heritage Bowl, Carver and Spencer, but here's a rivalry that doesn't get talked about that much, but in my mind is the best rivalry in the Chattahoochee Valley, and that's Valley and Lynette. It always is a big game. I know it's a non-region game. You lost last season, but this season, Valley has to come to Dan Washburn Stadium. So before we get into the valley Lynette game, congratulations on getting the win over Notasalga, 27 to nothing. What a way to start the season, Coach. That was just a very impressive win. Well, you know, um, as a head coach, uh, as a coach peer, it's always good to get that first one under your belt. Uh, we played extremely well in some areas, but, you know, a lot of things that happened uh, was ex- it was expected to happen because, you know, at the first game and you finally have an opportunity to hit uh, some opposing players and things like that. And so it was a great night. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we got the victory. We had a chance to find a few nuggets with some players that have not been stepping up in practice. 
but they stepped up on um, uh, last Saturday night. So we're pleased where we are. We got a lot of work to do. Yes, with the staff that I have, uh, we'll correct the mistakes that we made on Saturday night and, and be prepared for Valley this Friday night. Now, Mother Nature was not kind to Dan Washburn Stadium. The game got moved to Hanley High School, and a shout-out to Hanley for opening up their gates and allowing the kickoff classic to be played there. There was a doubleheader as you had Lochapoca taking on Lafayette, and then you had your game, Lynette taking on Notasalga. Great win, but now you got to focus. You group, you're hosting a game at Dan Washburn Stadium this Friday night against your longtime rival, the Valley Rams, and there's really no love lost between these two teams. You could throw out the record books. So these two teams, very close proximity over across the border outside the Chattahoochee River. And I know Valley went down from 6A to 5A. They got the win last year, but this time the game is at Dan Washburn Stadium. What kind of crowd do you expect at the stadium? And what are you looking forward to in playing Valley? I expect a very large crowd. Every year that game is always jam-packed. You got old heads from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s in the early 2000s that when Lynette was a very large 4A, one of the largest in the state, and Valley flirted around between 5 and 6A. Those game, this game really meant a lot to them. Um, so they're going to come out. This may be the only game that some of them attend uh, for either school, so they really look forward to this game year in and year out. Um, so it's going. we're going to be packed. They're going to be large crowd, and, and they're going to be an exciting atmosphere for high school football. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we just expect to go out and compete. Um, you know, they're much larger school now than we are, but, you know, my kid's going to fight. Um, you know, it, it's just the culture now. You know, if they put their jersey on and they go out and perform, they're going to give you all they got. And I tell them all week long, you know, I don't ask for nothing much, but just give me all you got and let's, let's have a chance to, to play some good football. And, you know, it's going to really – let me know what my guys are um, because they're going to play a bigger team and they're going to get hit in the mouth. And I just want to see how they're going to respond. And so, you know, if they do the things that they're coached to do and fight all night long, I, I, I think we'll be what we need to be at the end of the night. Coach, I want to talk about last season. 10-3, and three, undefeated in the region, but you did lose it on a very close 15-14 to 14 game against Highland Home. But you're able to build off that. There's a winning tradition at Lynette as you're used to winning state titles. You won one in 2017 and won one in 2019. As you look forward to the 2022 season, what type of team do you have this year? How far can this team go this season? We're extremely young this year. Um, we had 21 seniors last year. And, you know, at a small program with 21 seniors, you know, you, you really got a total rebuilding year. But what I do with my team is I let the younger guys come up and play a lot especially in those games that, that we've got a comfortable lead and they start getting used to the Friday night lights and they understand the culture. They understand how we compete and how hard we work. Um, so, you know, we're young. I'm starting a senior at center, very young on the offensive line. We're young at receiver and we're young in the backfield. But the, the backfield and the receivers got a lot of playing experience. My offensive line guys, most of those guys was junior high last year. They were eighth graders, but they're, they they are well coached by uh, Coach Marcus White and Coach Kobe McCants. And to see the growth from spring up to now, they've made tremendous strides uh, on getting better each week. And, and they got a little edge with them now. Um, they're trying to develop a little nastiness. But that's my major concern right now, just the line, because they're just so young. But the good thing about it is 
I have them three more years after this year, and they some big guys now. They're not small guys, and, you know, this line that we have got a chance to be one of the best to ever come through Lynette. All of them being the same age and going to be uh, staying together. So, you know, we're going we gonna to take some bumps and bruises, but they're going to compete and they're going to fight. What are some of the key players that are to watch this year? Well, um, you got Elijah Whitfield, my go-to guy. Plays wide receiver and cornerback. His brother, who's a 10th grader, Elijah Warren Whitfield, plays receiver and cornerback for me. Um, you have Donovan Dye, who's a defensive end for me. Tayshawn Darn, the linebacker, who's been starting for me now for three years. Cameron Sutton, who's the only starting center. Barrios Lent, and in my backfield, who's very young. Uh, three ninth graders, an eighth grader, and a sophomore back there, uh, led by Kewan Green. Quarterback, I got Jerry's, who's uh, his second year going to be starting for, you know, to have a lot of success. And it's just about, you know, them coming together and able to take criticism and being able to draw from it and not take it uh, personal uh, when we coach them hard. So at the end of the day, and we're going to win some ball games. All right, let's talk about 2A Region 3. You won this region last year, but what are the other teams looking like? Is there any teams in your region that you got to watch out for that could sneak up on you? Oh, yes, that's no doubt. Um, you got Highland Home, who got uh, three or four major prospects uh, on that team, led by uh, a uh, Florida State commit and his brother, who's a young guy, got several offers, and the receiver got several offers. So they got a lot of guys, you know, that can that uh, game changer for their program. And Coach Pounce got Laverne. They are new to my region, but I played them both last year. Um, I played uh, Laverne in the second round, and I played Highland Home in the third round, and they were both regional opponents last year um, and uh, how we lost Highland Home in the quarterfinals at their place 15-14 and then Lafette who's our, one, uh, our biggest rivalry uh, who's uh, in our region right up the road about 10 miles from us uh, that's always a tough tough uh, game to play so and then Real Town is back in our region they're going to be strong they're going to be physical they're going to be well we have a tough uh, re really really tough region you know we met as a as a group as coaches uh, of 2A football. So, you know, it's going to be tough week in and week out. You can't uh, not have our work cut out. Now, I know you being at the 2A level and competing for state championships every year, we expect the Lynette Panthers to not only make the playoffs, but to go very far in the playoffs. And I know with a young team, I mean, you do have some challenges ahead of yourselves, but you've really built this program up for 2A. A lot of people don't realize how small the town of Lynette is. It's just over across the river into Alabama. When you go through uh, West Point, I-85 going towards Opelika and Auburn. But Lynette can play anybody. I mean, is there a possibility? Have you considered scheduling some of the bigger programs? I know Valley is a 5A program, but some of these non-region opponents, has anybody called you up and said, like a Russell County or a Smith Station or a Central, has, has anybody ever considered just – playing you just to see if the talent level can match up with a, a team that's a, a 5A and above? Uh, I, I would love that opportunity to do that. But in the past, you know, we, we've, we've been Valley, we've been Hanley, and, you know, Hanley the uh, state championship program as well. And Valley is a, a large program. You know, we beat them at the 6A mark um, as well. So um, I had spoke to Coach Griggs at Russell County about doing spring, but we ended up did not have spring. Um, I just want the opportunity to see what my guys are because, you know, people get caught up in, in the size of the school and the kids, but football is football. Uh, you know, you, they're going to have more numbers and eventually they'll wear you down because, you know, they're going to two platoon. They're going to have all offensive players, all defensive players, and 
different guys on special team. But I just want my guys to go out and let them know it don't matter who you put on the field. You just got to give your best and compete and give them all you got. And so, you know, we're not afraid to play anybody. Um, they have always been my M.O. You know, if we can travel down, they can travel to us and, and we can get that. So we just want to play football and my kids want to play football. And, you know, and, and and at the end of the day, you know, kids are a character, uh, characteristic of their coaching. So my mentality is it don't make no difference who we play, that like we're going to be prepared. So, yeah, um, like I said, I've talked to Russell County, uh, Coach Glisson at Smith State, who's I don't have a problem playing anybody. Coach Story, I got to say congratulations on becoming the all-time winningest head coach in Lynette Panther history. 110 wins. You pass Dan Washburn. The stadium's named after him. I mean, what does that mean to be the all-time winningest coach in Panther history? And and where do you go from here? Well, you know, when I took this job, you know, a little bit from every coach that I've coached with, and I took some things that I wanted to implement in my program. Me becoming the all-time winningest coach was never a part of, of my vision or my plan. I just wanted to develop young kids. I wanted to you know, have a program that can be recognized across the state. And I wanted to be able to say that I'm a championship coach and I've been able to do those things. And the win just kept adding up. And I take my hat off to the staff that I've had uh, over the years, current, prior and current, currently and previously. Uh, and also too, uh, I had some great players uh, to play for me and, um, you know, um, to be the all time winners coach. Uh, it, it's, it's a big, big deal. Um, because I've, since I've been here, I've always been compared to Coach Washburn for some reason. You know how it is when people play for their coach. They love their coach, and they kept, you know, always would bring up the way he do things and did things. And, you know, I didn't feel no kind of way about it. I just say I'm just going to be the best Clifford story I can be. I can't be Coach Washburn. So that's how I feel about it. But, you know, in order to etch your name into that rep, to that record book and records may be broken and eventually someone to come in and, you know, pass. That was never part of my goal. To be the all-time winners coach, I just wanted to coach high school football and develop young men and have a program that were recognized throughout the state and, uh, you know, and develop some kids and win some state championships. And I've been able to do that, you know, to see a guy name on the stadium that gets so much respect from this community and then to have an opportunity uh, to, to get uh, one more victory than he did. It's a blessing to be surrounded by great staff, uh, administration, community and, and players. Uh, you know, and I and coaches, we talk all the time that, you know, no matter what happens at the end of the day, you know, it's all about those those guys that put on the field every Friday night. If they do what they're supposed to do and they perform at a high level, then, you know, it'll, it'll put you where you need to be. Well, I am excited, Coach Story. Rivalry week this week. Good luck this Friday night at Dan Washburn Stadium against the Valley Rams. Should be a packed house in Lynette, Alabama. Yes, it's definitely going to be a packed house. Um, you know, like I said earlier, they travel. Uh, Valley travels well. Our guys going to be there. Our fans going to be there. And you and you know, everywhere I go, uh, the guy told me this morning when I was picking up me something to drink. He said, "Coach, I don't care if you don't win the game. You got to win Friday." And I just started laughing. I said, "We're going to give them our best." So they really look forward to this game. And regardless of the size of the schools, it's going to be uh, a tough, tough game. And this is why I love Rivalry Week, Coach. I mean, down in Columbus, you got Carver and Spencer. You got the Backyard Brawl, Smith Station, and Central. You know, I love just the back talk between both schools. I mean, anytime you have schools in close proximity like Valley and Lynette, I mean, they're neighbors. I mean, the kids know each other. There's trash talk going back and forth. But really, you got to play the game Friday night. That's what it's all about. You got to beat your arch rival. And, 
and I wish you nothing but the best of luck, Coach. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Like I told you, I appreciate the opportunity, you know, to bring exposure to Panther football. Um, we've really worked hard here. This is my 14th year here, and and, and I make, I get excited every year, you know, when football season come around. So, you know, to have an opportunity to do this podcast with you, it really meant a lot, and I really look forward to it. Uh, unfortunately, we wasn't able to do it yesterday, but we was able to do it today. Absolutely, and and you're more than welcome to come on anytime you like, Coach, and I really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule just to be a guest here on the podcast. Well, I thank you. I thank you so much, but I, I made it uh, a point today that I wasn't going to let nothing stop me from getting on today. I was going to put whatever else I had to the side because, you know, when people give you these opportunities, you know, I don't take these kinds of things lightly because it could be somebody else, you know, that you reaching out to or you talking to, but I'm blessing. Uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity. Absolutely, Coach. All right, that was head coach of the Lynette Panthers, head coach Clifford Story Jr. He's also the athletic director. They have a big rivalry game against the Valley Rams this Friday night at Dan Washburn Stadium. Thank you so much to all my audience for listening to another episode of The Sports Beat. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.